Our scripture reading tonight can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1846, where there we find our passage for this evening, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him And receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I'd also like you to join me in Lord's Day 23 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 23 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 30 in the back of your green Psalter hymnals. We're there, I'd like to uh, read the answers together with one voice. What good does it do you, however, to believe all this? In Christ I am right with God, an heir to life everlasting. How are you right with God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments and of never having kept any of them, and even though I am still inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, without my deserving it at all, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ as if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need to do is to accept this gift of God with a believing heart. Why do you say that by faith alone you are right with God? It is not because of any value my faith has that God is pleased with me. Only Christ's satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness Make me right with God, and I can receive this righteousness and make it mine in no other way than by faith alone. That's the teaching of our catechism. Um, An interesting thing happened one day in a church where the great American businessman, Samuel Colgate, was a member. You know, like Colgate, the toothpaste. Uh, During an evangelistic campaign, a prostitute came forward. 
uh, to the front of the church, and she confessed her sins. And she was brokenhearted, and she wept openly. And she asked God to save her soul and expressed a desire to join the church. She said, I'll, I'll gladly sit in some back corner. Now, the preacher hesitated to call for a motion to accept her into membership. And for a few moments, the silence was oppressive. And finally, a member stood up and suggested that action on her request be um, postponed. At that point, Mr. Colgate arose and said with an undertone of sarcasm, I guess we blundered when we prayed that the Lord would save sinners. We forgot to specify what kind. We better ask him to forgive us for this oversight. The Holy Spirit has touched this woman and made her truly repentant, but apparently the Lord doesn't understand she isn't the type we want him to rescue. Many in the audience blushed with shame. They have been guilty of judging like the Pharisee in the temple who exclaimed self-righteously, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Another emotion was made and the woman was unanimously, unanimously received into the fellowship. I think this, um, this whole event is something that I think reveals something in our hearts. And that is that sometimes uh, we forget where we were before the Lord saved us. And I hope that Paul's testimony tonight can uh, bring that back to the front of our minds. Our theme this evening is Christ saves sinners so that sinners... will know they can be saved. Christ saves sinners so that sinners will know they can be saved. I mean, at the, uh, the core, the heart of what Paul is communicating, this is the message, right? Um, and he's using himself as an example. Um, the first point we have tonight is thankful. For God's grace. Thankful for God's grace. Verses 12 through 14. Second point we have here is the trustworthy saying. Tonight we're starting a series covering these five trustworthy sayings that uh, Paul uses in the uh, um, pastoral epistles. This is the first one that he mentions. And then First and Second Timothy and Titus, he says a number of other ones that we're going to look at in our series. And then the third is the reason. Verse 16 and 17. The reason. All right, let's look at this first point. One thing that we have to note about uh, this letter that distinguishes it from many of the other letters that we have in the New Testament is that Paul is writing to an individual. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is um, very much so Paul's uh, right-hand man, Paul's um, apprentice. Paul brought him along on uh, his second um, uh, missionary journey, and Paul taught him the ways of 
being a pastor, the ways of planting churches, the ways of handling, the ways of preaching, all these kinds of things. Uh, Timothy is uh, Paul's apprentice. And, and Paul then leaves Timothy behind in Ephesus uh, to handle the situation that's going on in Ephesus um, as he's going along on his journey. And this letter that Paul writes to him is, is about this, about instructions for Timothy during this time when he is in Ephesus. Um, not that this letter wasn't meant to be read to all. In fact, the end of the letter ends with a plural, um, y'all, it ends with a y'all. And so what's understood there is that Paul, uh, Paul believed and understood that this letter was not just going to be a private letter for Timothy, but that it was going to be something that was uh, uh, public for him. But because of that, there's this sort of personal note, this personal tone to what Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, and you could say it's sort of like one pastor to another pastor. Let me show you um, how to, how to do, handle pastoral ministry. Let me show you um, how to handle being uh, in the church and dealing with sinners and, and dealing with hardships in ministry. Let me show you how to do that. Let me show you how to order the church, rightly order the church, right? And so Paul, he's writing to Timothy, and what we find is that right off the bat he tells us that one of the things that Timothy is dealing with in Ephesus are these teachers of the law that have some, somehow, we don't know all the details, confused this relationship between the law and the gospel. Somehow they've, they've, they've focused more on one than the other. Somehow they're confusing and mixing these realities. Whatever it is, Paul begins his letter saying, you need to deal with these false teachers of the law. Because because of their false teaching in the law, they have forgotten, they have confused what the gospel really is. And so Paul begins by saying, Timothy, you're going to deal with these false teachers. This is actually the proper use of the law. Here I'm going to instruct you positively on what the proper use of the law is. But because you have gotten all confused about the law there in Ephesus, let me remind you about the gospel. Let me remind you about the gospel. Let me clarify now what the good news of the gospel is. And that's where he starts in verse 12. Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointed me to his service. So uh, there's a, a thankfulness, a gratitude, right? Here from Paul. That... Christ considered him faithful for service. And the, the word service here, it's uh, the same word where we get our word deacon. And Paul is not saying here that uh, Christ called him to be a deacon in the church later on in this very letter. Paul is going to instruct Timothy about what the requirements are for the office bearers of the church, both elders and deacons. And he'll use some more specific terminology to say this is what deacons should be like. This is who deacons should be. This is what makes a deacon eligible. But Paul is saying generally that, that Christ Jesus has called him to service. Considered him faithful and called him service. Um, And so, the interesting thing about what Paul says here is that in one sense, it sounds like Paul is saying, here's my resume, right? Here's my resume. Um, Christ considered me faithful, and so he called me to service, right? Um, And when you're filling out a, a, a resume, right, a lot of times what you do with a resume is you list the things and the reasons why you should be appointed to this task. 
why you should receive this appointment. You receive this appointment because your credentials, the things that you have to prove that you should be called to this line of work or called to this line of service, um, line up with the job or the duty or the responsibility of what you're given. And so, so Paul is saying, you called me to service, you called me to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, the foundation of what is going to become the church, right? It's going to be built off the apostles, the prophets, right? Paul, Paul was called to be an apostle, so what were his, um, what were his, uh, uh, his, uh, his attributes, his credentials, right? In verse 13 he says, I was once a blasphemer. I was once a persecutor and a violent man. So, you know, I can imagine that um, Paul, you know, he's, uh, he's sending his resume out to a number of different churches because um, he feels that he's been called into, into ministry and these search committees are sitting down with him at an interview and, 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 you know, they're talking to him and they say, hey, you know, what are the reasons why we should call you as a pastor for our church here? And, and, and uh, Paul says, well, I was once a blasphemer. Um, I was a persecutor of the church and I was a violent man. And I'm sure that maybe at that point they were sort of thinking, okay, let's put that at the bottom of the stack and, and uh, we'll call you, okay? Uh, do you have anybody else have any questions for Paul here? Right? But this is, this is Paul's job description. He says, the crazy thing about the fact that Christ considered me faithful is that there was no reason why I should be considered faithful. There's no reason why I should be called to this service. Right? That, that's what Paul is saying. He's, he's thankful for God's grace because even though he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, he was shown mercy. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I mean, have you ever read... The conversion of Paul in the book of Acts. It's one of the most, I mean, this is such a great story. It's such a great story because Saul of Tarsus is out breathing murder and violence against the church because he is a Jew of Jews, a monotheist to the core, and he hates these people who believe in Jesus and who call themselves Christians in the way. And so he is going out and he's holding the coats of people who want to stone Stephen to death. He is going to cities outside of Jerusalem so he can find Christians and he can grab them and throw them in prison, right? And on his way to Damascus, a light appears in the sky and knocks him off his horse. Talk about a way to get your attention, right? And Jesus himself cries out from heaven, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he blinds him. He blinds him. And Saul has to be walked, carried, right? And what, what happens next? And God shows up and he says, Ananias, I need you to go talk to somebody that I have personally chosen to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. 
to be the one who writes most of the New Testament, to be the, 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 the prolific writer and preacher of the gospel, to be an apostle. And Ananias has got to be thinking, oh, who is this going to be? Who's this going to be? Hey, you know that guy that's been trying to find you and throw you in prison? Yeah, that's the guy. Ananias has got to be saying, Lord, Lord. That can't be the case, right? I mean, he is a blasphemer. What is it? That means that Saul was going around mocking the name of Christ. He's a persecutor. He's a violent man. You you can't possibly mean him. No, no, I mean him. That's who I've chosen. That's who I've called. And so even though Saul was an enemy of Christ, an enemy of the church. He says here, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul here is saying, I am thankful for God's grace. What is grace? God's riches at Christ's expense, right? I am thankful for God's grace because he's expressing the reality that we all feel and that this grace is undeserved. And he's telling this to Timothy. He's saying, I think Christ Jesus our Lord has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointed me to his service even though I was an enemy of the church. I was shown mercy. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And this is what leads Paul to say his first trustworthy saying. And uh, the best uh, that we can understand about these, these trustworthy sayings that are sort of sprinkled throughout these pastoral epistles. Is that Paul here is reciting what has come to be known as uh, little uh, statements that are commonly referred to that are already part of the church culture. A little mini confessions of faith, right? Little mini uh, um, catechism answers, right? Catechism questions and answers. That Paul here is saying in reference to his own uh, reality, he says, here's a good time for me to tell you about this trustworthy saying, this faithful statement that all the church knows, that all the church proclaims, that all the church confesses, that all believers confess. And that is this. I got going so much, look at that. I, I set a car alarm off. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. All right, whose car was it? (laughs) It's all right, I forgive you. Grace. The trustworthy saying that Paul says 
is this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. Now, the question, the debate that often happens about this trustworthy saying is this. Um, is the trustworthy saying this statement right here? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Um, and then Paul responds to that uh, trustworthy saying or faithful saying and says, of whom I am the worst. Or is the faithful saying, the trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Right? The question is, why would, why would a universal statement uh, express something so personal? I mean, here's what I want to relate to you about this. Um, it's my conviction that this entire statement is meant to be something that is universal, that we all can say, that all the church can say, that all Christians can say, not just Paul. And here's why. Because of all the people that we know, we know our own sin most intimately. Because the more holy we grow, the more deeply we feel our sin. Because the humility that the Christian life calls us all to brings us back to the fact that the only sin that I have any right to point a finger at and to judge and to call before God and ask for mercy and grace is my own. That I am always called to remember that I have a two-by-four sticking out of my eye and there's only a speck in my brother's. I know my sin more intimately than in any others. And that is why I feel more deeply than for anybody else because I can't feel for you. That's why I feel the grace of God. That's why when I hear this trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, I rejoice because Christ saves sinners so that sinners will know they can be saved. Because if you become enlightened to the reality of your sinful condition, but you are not enlightened to the fact that there is a Jesus, you would be most pitiful as a person. You would feel doomed, destroyed. You would be lost and without hope and without God in this world. But if you are enlightened to the fact that you are a sinner, maybe even the chiefest or the worst of all sinners... But you are told, it is revealed to you that there is a Jesus 
who saves sinners, then that, my people, is good news. That, my people, is good news. This is why this story is so much better than Santa Claus. Because the reality is everybody's on the naughty list. But only people who know they're on the naughty list get the best gift in this world. And it's not a lump of coal. It's Christ Jesus, the Savior of sinners. Christ Jesus, the Savior of sinners. And that leads us right into our final point tonight. The reason. This is what Paul says. He says, you want to know why I am the most unlikely convert? You want to know why it is that Jesus turned me from, from my persecution of the church and made me the most prolific evangelist and apostle? You want to know why that's the case? Because this is why. This is why. Jesus wanted me to make, make me, he wanted to turn me into a billboard of his grace. Right? Verse 16 says, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Um, I want to... Uh, I want to riff off of this because this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying, I am unashamed to tell you about my previous life. I am unashamed to tell you about my life before I was converted. Now, he doesn't go into all the gory details, right? But he says, listen, I want you to know that before I was a Christian, before Christ saved me, I was a sinner. And I still am a sinner. Before Christ saved me, I was the worst of sinners. And here's why Paul is not ashamed to tell that story. Right? Because this is what Paul wants everyone to think, including Timothy including the church in Ephesus, including to all that he ministered to, including all of us here today. Here's the reality. If Jesus Christ can save Saul of Tarsus, there ain't nobody that can't be saved. You understand what I'm saying? Right? And if we connect this to the trustworthy saying that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom we all can personally confess, I am the worst. And then you can say this too. You can look at anybody that you encounter in your day, whether it be the murderer who's on death row, or the guy that grew up in the church and thinks he's got it together. You can say to anybody, if God can save me, 
He can save you. There is nobody outside the reach of God's grace. And Saul of Tarsus was redeemed, was turned from his life, was saved and was sent on his path. Paul says to Timothy, to be a billboard of God's grace. To be put on full display and say, listen, look what Jesus did with my life. Look what Jesus did with my life. And if he can do this with my life, he can do this with your life too. He can do this with your life too. Paul says, for that very reason, because I was the worst of sinners, that is the reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. This is the declaration to all of us. That if there is a reason why Jesus saves us, if there is a reason why we are the called ones, we are the elect, right? If there is a reason, it is not because we're the good ones. <laughs> it's because we're the chief of sinners. It's so that God could display in our lives how wonderful his grace is. And I want you to think about that in relation to the ministry that Jesus had. Can you imagine if Jesus' ministry began with his picking of the 12 apostles? And what he did was he went into the Ivy Leagues of the Jewish rabbinical schools and he said, I pick you, and I pick you. You're the top of the class, I pick you. And you... You got straight A's. You have memorized the entire Torah. You're coming with me. If he went into the political elites and said, you, you've got connections. I'll take you. You, you're connected to all this money and wealth. I'll pick you. And he finally had his 12 apostles, the super group, the Avengers. How would that make you feel? I know how I would take that. I would read that and say, I guess I can't be a follower of Jesus because I don't fit those credentials. Because I'm not in that group. Why do you think it is that Jesus went around and picked all the dropouts of the rabbinical school and the dirty fishermen? Because we're the dropouts and the dirty fishermen. Jesus did that, and he threw Paul into it so that we would know that he doesn't pick us because we're good for the kingdom. He picks us because we're sinners, and our lives become a display of God's grace. The reason God saves sinners is so that other sinners can know they can be saved. The reason God saved me 
it's not so all of y'all can say, oh, Pastor Kerry, he's such a godly man. He's got it all together. No, no, the reason God saved me is so that y'all could know that God can save you too. That anybody who comes to church on Sunday and stands and sits in these pews can look up at the man of God up front and say, well, if God can save him, then he can surely save me. That's what Paul was saying. And not only is that what Paul was saying, but he's saying that should be the confession of every Christian. That there's nothing in me besides the sin that required my salvation. And maybe, you know, it's very unlikely that we would have a prostitute come in on a Sunday morning and stand among us. It's very unlikely that we would have a congregational meeting and move to motion her acceptance into our church. It's not really how we handle things, you know. But, maybe next time you encounter someone who would be labeled a sinner as you go throughout your week, you would be quick to remember that you are the chief of sinners and that Christ came into the world to save sinners. I share with that person the good news of Christ and say, listen, if God can save me in Jesus Christ, I know he can save you. Christ saves sinners so that sinners will know they can be saved. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this word of grace. Thank you that you have watched over us, that you have saved us and made us billboards of your grace, trophies to show to others. That is not anything that we've done. It's all of you. It's all of mercy. That you grant and credit to us the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. And you look at us as if we had never sinned or been a sinner, as if we had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for us. And all we need to do is accept this gift with a believing heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and sing with me?